Yo, what is up, everybody? Hey, this is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. This is the show all about college football. Uh, so, Ian, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Sorry all if right. I'm a little distracted. I actually have the LSU Florida State game. I've got it on as well. I I, I uh, put in this new TV in my office, so it's like it's fucking great. I got like basically my like uh, uh, fucking like I don't like my main center like you know your your hub of everything it's great it's perfect it works for you know i've got my desktop i got my big old tv now so we can broadcast here but uh let's do a little bit about who we are it's a hater radio is a is a media brand all about college football um my name is chris mclean my co-host is ian gibson um you can reach us at hater underscore radio for basically all the socials, even TikTok now, I just got on there. And uh, Ian, what are your socials real quick? Yes, it's uh, at GGatorG2 at Twitter, uh, GGatorG um, Instagram, and GGatorG YouTube. So reach us out there. You know, we I, I'm always on uh, Twitter. Uh, you know, I'm constantly on there talking shit. Uh, just talking shit right now to a uh, UCF fan, uh, this guy Fear the Pegasus that's always fucking blasting usf even though they're, they're no longer scheduled to play each other for the near future whatever that guy's a douchebag so anyways let's not get into it uh, we've got the lsu game going on right now i know some people are watching it uh looks like florida state is scoring right now so it's seven yep. and lsu uh missed out on a opportunity to score they, they huge, down the field huge really stop. yeah it was like seven plays inside the five and couldn't score but whatever let's move on let's talk about the games that happened We'll talk about this throughout the throughout the broadcast. But uh, so uh, the first game I want to talk about was the game on Thursday and where I was at Thursday. I was uh, in Salt Lake City for the game and, uh, you know, Utah, Florida. It was, a, you know, a, 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 the sequel to last year's uh, uh, opening act of uh, the Billy Napier tenure. And, you know, I, I thought the team was going to be a lot better, but they struggled mightily in a lot of phases uh i think defensively they played a lot better than i think uh we thought possible but uh definitely the struggles on third downs uh struggles with penalties struggles in special teams especially was really the downfall i um you know i i had a good time you know the utah people were great people a lot of really great hospitality uh the restaurants were great the stadium was nice i had some issues with getting water which was kind of ridiculous uh at a standing room only seat but i still enjoyed the stadium it's nice and big you know people are like oh it's tiny but i mean like fifty five thousand seat stadium is still a pretty big stadium and i'll then, trade those extra forty thousand seats with that view of the mountains that yeah oh, every time i see those shots in utah it's beautiful yeah and i you know i took a bunch of pictures you know because i was like man this is great views everywhere and like it it is a picturesque city and um you know it i just more we're talking about the game and it's just the it's a struggle that, you know, it seems like the, the Napier area has really not gone off to the greatest start. You know, they went six and seven last year. And honestly, since they beat Utah in the first game last year, they're five and eight. So yep. it, 
you know, it's it's been tough. And, you know, I, I liked what Mertz did. You know, if, if you were looking at something to be the bright side, Mertz actually looked pretty good. Um, they didn't throw a ton deep, but had some success. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know, like, I saw some guys mentioning the stats that, like, he was, like, one of the, like, uh, I guess – Regarding his overall passing stats, it was uh, lacking any downfield threat in any way and, like, was, like, very low on the ranking of, like, total numbers as far as uh, uh, downfield threats or downfield passing. So, obviously, there's a struggle there, and uh, they need to get better there. You know, the offensive line did not do a good job. They were – you know, Utah was in the backfield the entire time. What was it? Five sacks, I believe. That's what it was. It was some. It was some number like that. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it it was too many. Yeah, and you know, it was it was frustrating. You know, as a fan watching the game, you know that's what we are about on call uh, on uh, Hater Radio is about being fans because it's like as much as yes, we trying to be a media brand, we're still. Uh, realizing our bias towards the teams that we like, and we're not trying to shy away from it. That's like the whole goal with what we're doing here. So, uh, you know, I just, I struggled with enjoying the game at all. And that's really, yep. <laughs> that's, that's frustrating as a fan of a team. It's like, you know, at least if you lose, you can still find some enjoyment in the game. There was honestly, I don't know. There was almost like, no moments of joy, you know, because they they got a field goal. It was like the drive. first play, like from, yeah. from Utah. And I was uh, I was in outside the stadium at the time, and I was coming back to my car real quick, and then gonna head to the game, and I could hear the roar, and I knew they scored because you could just tell by how loud it was, and it was loud, and I was like at least at least like half a mile away. And I was like, wow, that's definitely a big play. And it was like, right as the game started, I'm like, man, that is not a good sign. And, you know, I don't know. It's yes, but we, you have to realize Utah is a really good team. This is not like this was a slouch, you know, all these other teams got to play these FCS teams, these directional school teams, these bottom of the barrel teams that are basically glorified practices. Well, Florida had to play uh, a two-time defending conference champion uh, that uh, on the road with a ton of experience on both sides of the ball. And yes, they didn't have their starting quarterback and they were down to their third and fourth string, but those guys were talented enough to make plays and the rest of the team is very good. So it's not like they were playing garbage and I don't know. I mean, I'm not defending it because the mistakes were terrible. The, the stuff on special teams was dreadful, especially that, uh, Jersey incident with both yep. Eugene Wilson and Jason Marshall having number three. Like, I think I saw somewhere where it was saying that um, uh, Eugene had switched from 21 and that was the the problem. But then I, someone else had mentioned that uh, Desmond Watson was on that play. So there still would have been a problem regardless. So I don't know. It's just, it seems like a very uh, lazy uh lazy take on their job and just not being prepared. And that's a shame because you have all nine months to prepare from the second that bowl game was until this first game for this first game. And you should have every 
I dotted, every T crossed. You should be so prepared that you're double prepared, as my brother always makes fun of my dad for. You know, it's like literally they they practice, practice, practice for like four, uh, what is it, four weeks in training camp. They should have been ready to go in this game. And there were so many mistakes. And I will grant and say that I saw in the TCU game at like near the end of the third quarter, you know, they were at home and defending uh, or the, the runner up last year in the national championship game. And they had four uh, uh, false starts on the offensive line. So it does happen. Like, you know, it's not like other teams don't uh, make mistakes. It's just, they were like, it seemed like every time they had a crucial down, they made a mistake that really like shot them in the foot. And it was, you know, the third down, in uh, the, the 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 red zone area when they were about to score, if they score a touchdown there, you know that game goes. It's it's ten to seven. Who knows where that game goes? Then it's like not only do they not get the touchdown, then they miss the field goal, and then they um, uh, they get a stop on defense, which the defense actually made stops in this game, and then the stupid jersey number shit, and so then Utah gets the ball, goes down and score. Then uh, Crawshaw uh, shanks a punt, and uh, because of the shank punt, uh, Utah gets a short field, scores again, and it was 17-3, and it just felt like, honestly, at 17-3, that felt like uh, like 35. Yeah. You know, it really did. The way the offense was moving, it just felt like there was no way for the team to really um, recover from that. And it's a shame because if there's like, and I don't want to say it because it's everyone says it. There's a few plays that could have changed the game. Yeah, of course. But it's just it's just frustrating because you know we're all fans of this team. You know the ones that are watching this and enjoying this. You know it's it's frustrating see to see the team struggle like this and. I just want to see them have some success. I know that it's it's still a work in progress, but it's just it's very frustrating to watch. I want to hear your opinions, Ian. Yeah, that was very – that was like the most dead I have ever watched a Gator game, well, at least a home opener. Uh, or, I'm sorry, not home opener, season opener. Um, and it, all the points you made, yeah, I like – the, you know, Graham Mertz did good. Um, the defense looked better. But, God, those mistakes, it, was, it wasn't it was just that they happened. It was the worst possible time you could have them happen. First, first drive of the game, it's third and one, false start, comes third and six. And you're asking a lot because, unfortunately, with this team, the talent level, as I said in my article, it just is not there yet. It's not there yet. It's not – you can't compete with these, you know – elite teams right now um and they had every opportunity to kind of jump on them utah was down i think eight starters so that was my thing i was going to counter with is when people said oh it was only 24 to 11 i was like you're right it could have been like 38 to 11 because i would if cam rising and the rest of those starters were in i would not be surprised if they kind of ran the score up because florida just didn't like they just didn't look good enough to win that game. And, you know, you had the false start. You had the other false start at fourth and one, which instead of it being seven to, you know, you get the first down. I think it was seven to three at that point. Then you got to kick the field goal, which is missed. That then results in a touchdown that drive. And then, of course, the punt, which two plays later was a touchdown. It the whole game was just a mess. It was very disappointing. It 
it's weird because I expected them to I knew the talent level wasn't there, but I expected them to play better and limit those kind of mistakes that just didn't happen. The other thing that absolutely perplexed me was the over reliance on the passing game. This whole offseason, including my article, we and even from Billy Napier, we have they have stressed that you have to rely on the run game in order for this uh offense to hum. It can't just be on the way the passing game is set up, the weapons are not there. Graham Mertz, as good as he was, isn't going to be the guy to win you a game. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is the uh, best wide receiver, but it's still – there's not a whole lot else backing up. So if you can have a consistent run game, that just makes it that much easier for the passing game. And then they just gave up on it. And I'll give credit. That goes to Utah. Utah just sold out on the run and just said, okay, beat us beat us through the air and they knew they we couldn't so i think that's just great coaching on the side of utah and it just shows like the this season or this game the lack of like talent to overcome that adversity it's unfortunately what it is the other sad thing was i kind of did expect it because again i just don't think the gators are where they should be right now i don't think the talent is there. I just don't think they know how to win these big games yet. I'm obviously the biggest win was Utah last year. And since then there hasn't really been a win that I can win. Maybe uh, I, I guess I can make the argument for Texas A&M last year, but both teams were kind of just in Chernobyl mode. I would, so, say, that, I would say that South Carolina win was probably the, the like in hindsight. Won. Yeah. Because South Carolina ended up beating Clemson and Tennessee in subsequent weeks. And that was, you know, considering that Florida basically shut them out except for one special teams uh, miscue, like that was, you know, and they, they pretty much dominated Tennessee and, you know, took it to Clemson. And both of those teams had shots at the playoff if they won out. So, you know, I look, we're all frustrated as fans. I talked to countless fans that were still in Salt Lake after the game, you know, talked to a bunch of play, a bunch of fans that I met with before the game, you know, we want this team to succeed. And I think, you know, we have, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're just wanting so much out of it and it just doesn't seem like it's getting there. And it's frustrating because we've gone through since urban, you know, 13, 14 years of just struggling. You know, there was, you know, two or three good years there where the team actually, like, you know, competed. And uh, 2012, 2015, and 2019, 2020, and 2020. 2020. So, like, yeah. Yeah, three or four years. So, we were – you're starting off 0 and 1. And I don't know. I just, I expected more out of Billy. I, I you know, he, he sounded confident coming into the season. You know, the way he was talking to the media sounded like he knew more than all of us and knew what he was seeing out in practice. And it was, you know, going to be something more. But it's, I don't know, just, it's, it's frustrating. It just really is. That's the key. That's, that is the word to describe this weekend. And I was just going to shout out real quick to a couple of people. So 
Joe Grant, uh, comment, Joe, uh, yeah, go knows, whatever. Joe, I love your brother, but we'll see. It's 7-7 seven, seven right now. Yeah, LSU just scored. But, um, no, and also shout out uh, Mike. Uh, I don't know Mike's last name, but I met him on uh, uh, Wednesday night um, at the Green Pig. And Mike is goes by Just Getting Better on Twitter. Great guy. Me and Mike get along a lot on a lot of sports takes. Me and him are Magic fans, so we commiserate about that. And uh, <laughs> no, he was great. I, Mike is a great Gator fan and a great follow. And uh, glad to meet him. I bought him a couple beers. He, you know, we were taking shots together. And uh, him and his his buddies Cam and Cam is on. Um, uh, he's on a podcast. I can't remember which one. Cam, if you see this. Let me know uh, so I can uh, I can shout you out next time. Uh, but uh, and also their friend Justin and some other people. I, I met Harrison, a younger guy from uh, from Twitter. That's really funny. And, uh, you know, it was a good experience. Like I will say, besides the game, which I was really frustrated about, everything else was enjoyable. I met like I probably ran into like 50 Gator fans outside of the game. Like that's how many were around Salt Lake city and all throughout my entire time, there was a ton of people there and it's a shame that it went the way it did, but I don't know, man, I'm glad they do games like this because this is more fun than playing a shitty team. I don't like when they play FCS teams, it's not enjoyable. Like you don't really get anything out of it. Like we, as a, podcast as a brand don't even cover those games because it's not there's nothing there there's no yeah there's no analysis to be made about beating a team of uh like essentially jv players playing against a varsity team it's not equal in no way is it a fair assessment of how uh, a team actually is so I don't like seeing those games. You know, hopefully if we get to a point where there are just like three or four conferences, they get to the point where they're just playing each other and they don't play any of these smaller teams. You know, it sucks for the smaller teams. They don't get that payout. But I'm sorry, major college football deserves to have, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, better uh, – better matchups. And I think that's coming, especially with the playoff, and it'll make it more, uh, more of a thing because if there is an emphasis on getting to the playoff with, you know, even if you have a loss or two, it's not going to be that big of a deal that, uh, you know, you know, you play of these big teams is you're going to get a chance to be able to get in there. So, all right, uh, let's move on. Um, I'm going to break down, uh, USC, UCLA, and USF, and then we'll move on to the rest of the games. Um, I'm just going to do USC really quick because, again, it was one of those games, one of those FCS or whatever, Nevada. You know, it's a smaller team. It doesn't really have much to compete against, uh, you know, the Trojans. But Caleb looked good. But, again, the stats are meaningless. It'll add to his Heisman totals, which – you know, that's important. So he got four TDs and 278 yards and no turnovers. So he looked good in the game. Um, uh, again, they don't play anyone for the next couple of weeks until they play Notre Dame August 14th. So, you know, it's really going to be just kind of play as many young uh, freshmen and sophomore you can to get ready for uh, the big games coming up in October and November. So moving on to UCLA. Now, Ian, I, I want to hear your opinion before I talk about it, because I know you love the Chanticleers. And like, I wish I, I had no idea that that Coastal was playing UCLA 
on Saturday until it was like I had already like did my travel plans for Utah. And if I had known that, I would have made sure that I would have been able to come back to be able to go to that game because I yeah. love to go to that game because it was it was a close game for almost like 90% of it. So like, you know, it was interesting. Grayson McCall is still very good, still very solid quarterback that, you know, got the job done. But I want to hear your opinion on before I break down uh, what I've got to say. Yeah, I was really impressed by, you know, Coastal, again, this is where it's like talent versus talent. You can easily see how UCLA could have ran away with this, but somehow Coastal has this thing to just be a pain in the ass to these teams. Um, it's quite impressive. Um, but yeah, the unfortunately, though, the, the offense for Coastal just was sputtering throughout the entire game, especially early on. They didn't get a whole lot going. Um I know that they were able to make it uh, 14 to 13 around the third quarter. Um, but after that, they just kind of ran out of gas. And I think you see that a lot with these group of five teams. They just don't have the endurance to hang on to these games. Um, UCLA's defense, though, uh, we've talked literally, it's amazing how Grayson McCall is still in college. Um, we talked a lot about the ability of uh, McCall and how dangerous he can be. Um, through the air and through the uh, running, but they did a very good job of the same thing as what Utah did sell out on the run, make them beat you in the air. And, you know, McCall had to throw over 40 passes um, against a very, very tough uh, secondary of UCLA. Um, and even then they still did uh, very good. Uh, Sam Pickney, I believe it was for coastal uh, had a fantastic game. I think he had, I know he had over a hundred yards in touch. He had that big touchdown. Um, but all in all, the better team won. UCLA just showed, you know, they won out through the talent. Um, it was interesting to see um, both Dante Moore and uh, I believe it was Ethan Garbers yeah. kind of go back and forth because I don't know at UCLA as well, but I don't know if there's as much of a quarterback controversy because it looked like they were splitting time and the, the stats were pretty similar. Um, but it was all in all way for UCLA to kind of they kind of fell into the trap um I kind of got that impression that okay they were kind of sleepwalking through this and then you know Coastal kind of gained up on them both teams just were like okay we're gonna have to pass it through you know pass to win the game um and ultimately UCLA I believe because of the better talent and able to make the big play um was able to you know pull out the win it was you know the defense really bailed them out you still could make the case of having you know an elite defense credit is coastal um but it was really good for them to you know wake up before it got you know too too scary because they were giving them a tough time yeah uh the what is it? The defensive coordinator just got brought in this year is uh, Danton Lynn. He's uh, the son of the former Chargers head coach. Uh, I can't remember his dad's first name, but um, they uh, he was uh, the safety coach with the Ravens, I think, last year. And, uh, you know, very young guy, but seems to be very uh, um a uh, smart head coach, not head coach, uh, assistant coach now into this coordinator position. And he seems to honestly, the, the cornerbacks and the safeties were playing, you know, balls out. They, they played a phenomenal game. Honestly, I was, 
you know, uh, let's see, 10 tackles for loss, four sacks, three turnovers caused. You know, they um, they really got after uh, Grayson McCall and, you know, they they only allowed 56 rushing yards. And it was, you know, it was a very good performance. I got too tired at uh, by halftime. I had to go to bed because I had an early flight today, so I didn't get to watch all of it. I watched some of the highlights when I got home before I started the broadcast. But um, no, it was, you know, as much as Coastal is a power five team or not power five group of five team, they still uh, are one of the better group of fives and could honestly compete in. I would say they'd be competitive in the Big 12, competitive in the ACC, and probably competitive in the Big 10. They'd probably struggle in the SEC. But still, I think they're a decent team um, that can move the ball. Um, But, uh, you know, UCLA, the defense was the problem last year. If they can fix that, they – honestly, all they have to go is like – Average. If they're an average defense, just like with the case with Florida, just like the case with USC, then um, uh, you'll have a much better team for all three of them. And, you know, Dante Moore, they did split time, but once uh, Garbers threw the second interception, he was out the rest of the game and Dante Moore stayed in. And so I really think that is a telling sign because Dante Moore is – a highly oh my god, Jane Daniels got just a nine. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. That has to be targeting. How is that not targeting? Like he's a defensive player going up in the air, and he just spears him right in the head. Wow. How is that not targeting? They're not. Even, there's not even a flag. There's nothing. What is going on? I mean, he's he's fine, but. That was brutal. Maybe that's what they're calling it off of because he's not injured. I don't know. I, I don't know why they didn't nothing. <laughs> wow, that is remarkable. They they target they give targeting calls for way less. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> oh, that's a foul. He like tripped him. What is going on? Florida State is like fouling the shit out of them, and it, I know they've called a bunch, but that was definitely PI. All right, end of the first quarter, 7-7. But anyway, so Dante Moore is a very highly recruited uh, high school quarterback coming out. He was, uh, I think, second overall recruit. And he, I I loved what he did. He had that long touchdown to uh, J. Michael. Uh, I can't remember how do you say his last name. Um, but that was a great play. And J. Michael had a great game as well. He had like, I think he had over 100 yards. And um, the running game was solid. You know, they were able to move the ball. Dante is more of an athletic quarterback, mobile, uh, more so than Garvers. And that was, you know, I think why they switched into him because he was able to move the ball. Garbers moved the ball in the first uh, series, but after that struggled. He had at least one red zone interception. I can't remember if it was another. Oh, uh, Dante had one as well. But, you know, Garbers just looked – out of sorts, and I think Moore is going to be the guy they're going to go to. He's a young guy, but I think it's the right move. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for this team because I think they're very much under the radar. They're not even ranked right now, and if they just keep 
you know, keep at this. If this defense can be as good as it, I think it can be, this is, this is going to be a really good year for them. And, you know, maybe 10 wins, which would be great and possibly 11, which would be amazing. But I think 10 wins is definitely attainable if this plays as well as it does. And if Dante Moore can progress from this game. So let's move on to USF. You know, Ian, I don't know how much you watched of this game. I watched it all. (laughs) I, I was so happy with the performance. Like, you know, I've been watching their games the last couple of years and it's been hard to watch. Like, yeah. you know, paint drying, hard to watch. And I, you know, when that first quarter was going on, I was just like, what is this? This is like what he, when they went for it on fourth and two on like their 40 and um, they jumped, they got to the line in like a sugar huddle and went super fast and got up there and got it. I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is so much night and day different from Jeff Scott. And, you know, there were mistakes, you know, you know, the, the, the game was 31 24 and, you know, they were USF was driving and they were on the five and Byram threw that uh, terrible interception in the end zone. But honestly, it was a very good team. Western Kentucky is one of the better passing attacks in all of college football. And, uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't displeased with the defense. I thought the defense was adequate. The, the secondary was making plays. You know, they were throwing it so damn much. You just knew they were going to make, you know, some plays. There's nothing they could do. They just had to basically hold on. And they did. They did enough, essentially – to almost win the game for them. So, you know, it's first game. There's a lot going on. Alex Golish, I commend you for getting this team ready. And there were some mistakes, but I feel like it's a good step forward. And, you know, next week they play FAMU and like they could easily beat FAMU. Like that's not going to be a challenge. I know FAMU's a good FCS team, but still, you know, USF will be solid. And, um, I'm excited for the future of this team because it's been so frustrating since since I moved out here to L.A. You know, it's been, you know, terrible. The record has been atrocious. So, uh, Ian, what are your thoughts on the game? I'd really, would, I'd really like to hear what you what you saw. I was really happy up until the end. Um, oh, no, yes. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. The team looked night and day better. And I understand this is a loss, and I'm sure as shit not going to give, you know, moral victories or any of that because <laughs> they still lost. Yeah. So that's I, – I had that with um, somebody at work too. It was like, well, at least USF looked good. And I was like, they still lost, dude. I'm not feeling totally better. Um but all in all, yes, the offense looked a lot better. Um, God, I don't get it. Why are you throwing the ball in the inside the five? That's just me. Um, yeah, when they had three hundred and seventy-four yards on the ground, like they were destroying them on the ground. Like, you, yeah, you either tell you know, you either tell Wright, Dukes, or Brown. You tell yeah, them, okay, read Naquan. option, something like that. We, but, we we both know as Florida fans how good Naquan is, and it was like. I wasn't surprised he did as well as he did. He's a phenomenal back, and I'm glad that he went to USF because it's like, you know, if he wasn't going to stay at Florida, might as well go to our other favorite school and, like, yeah. do well there. And he's he fucking killed it. And, you know, Brown Brown struggled, but he still made a lot of plays, and I the potential is there, and that's what I'm really happy about because there's still definitely a chance that he can uh, – 
Oh my God. They LSU cannot do these short yardage plays. They've got to like do some like they're like trying to run on Florida State and it's not working at all. They need to do like play action or something. Like cause they they're getting beat in their gaps. Like, watch this. Are you watching the replay? Oh yeah. 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 And like I might be a little like, behind. Man, if someone just if one of the tight ends maybe it was a run or a, for a RPO. Wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, it looked like maybe it was because he was coming back like he was gonna pop and throw it to somebody. I don't um, know. If one of those tight ends had gone out the other way, uh, out to the left side, maybe uh, maybe there'd have been something there. Whatever. Uh, no, just keep going real quick. We'll and then we'll move on to these other scores and call it a day. Yeah, yeah. So all in all, yes, the offense looked a lot better. Defense did as good as they could. I am, you know, there is more hope I have going into this season. One thing I did want to note too that I mentioned towards the end of that game, USF looked gassed from that hurry yeah. up offense, which we yeah. all knew what was going to happen. Yeah. I don't think they're condition. There's a big difference between doing it in practice all summer and then going into the fourth quarter with five minutes left and they're going, okay, on the ball, on the ball, on the ball. So that's something that we're going to have to look at to see how well the team adjusts because they've never had to do that before. So hopefully, you know, that's something that can get addressed and addressed quickly. Yeah. No, I mean, it definitely, I saw a bunch of other people talk about it, that they were gassed. I didn't notice it as much because um, uh, where I was watching it, I didn't have the volume on. So I couldn't like hear like the announcers talk about it because I couldn't really necessarily tell from what I was seeing. And I was also drinking. So that could have added to my <laughs> failure of noticing things. But um, no, uh, it definitely is an issue. I, it's probably large to do with, the you know the lack of talent per se and that the, there's a lack of depth because of the lack of talent you know so it's it's a struggle that they're gonna have to deal with this year at least I I like where Golish is going recruiting wise and it seems like you know they're already like the best um, AAC team recruiting wise so far for this 2024 class. So hopefully those things will start to turn around. Um, but uh, no, I mean, all in all, Western Kentucky's a good team. Uh, it was a tough road game and they didn't look like extremely terrible. They looked, the offense they looked, looked better. Yeah. The lo- offense looked competent and the defense played tough. And that's honestly all I'm really asking for. Cause last couple of years the defense has been atrocious they were literally last place uh last year so you know you couldn't get much you can't get any worse you can only get better potentially so you know let's move on we'll do these last couple of games we'll talk about them and then we'll call it a day okay uh tennessee virginia tennessee wins 49 13 it was uh uh it wasn't a home game it was technically a, a neutral site game but it was in it was in where the Titans play right yeah, the Titans play in Nashville so I mean it's I don't know Virginia is not very good they lost Brennan Armstrong um you know they obviously struggled with the the death of those players last year which obviously is very tough to deal with regardless of how 
you say you want to move on, you still really like fight with that for a very long time. So it may be a very tough year for Virginia. Um, and it's a shame, but Joe Milton, you know, I, I, numbers wise, I didn't see anything that impressive. I didn't get a chance to watch the, 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 like the 15 minute recap because, um, I didn't have enough time today. I, you know, like I said, I flew back in this morning, so I didn't really have enough time to, um, uh, to do a, a, a proper, uh, research for the broadcast, but I will promise next going forward that I'll get that uh, done before I do these broadcasts, but, uh, which I have done in the past and I will admit, but, uh, no, but I think, you know, cause Tennessee is going to play Florida in two weeks. You know, it's a very important game. We'll talk more about that as we get closer to it, but it's, um, it's definitely a team that's, you know, offensively, they have a lot of good moving parts, um, a lot of good uh, 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 wide receivers and running backs. Um, I think Milton is the key. Oh, my God. He fumbled it. Oh, oh my God. Dude, LSU, why, how is this possible? Two years in a <laughs> row. This is pathetic. Oh, man. They are gift-wrapping this. Oh, my God. Else. Wow. Wow. Wow, dude. <laughs> Just, just that's rough. Oh my god! And then he almost had it, and then he then lost, and it went right to that guy. This is pathetic. This is pathetic. Um. Anyway, so the, definitely the Tennessee game seems to be like a pivotal moment in what happens in this season for Florida. Um, your thoughts on this game, then we'll move on. Yeah, no, nothing much. I mean, this was kind of a squash match. Um, Tennessee just had the better talent. It took the offense a little while to get humming. Um, but by the end, you know, towards the end of the second and going well into the third, Tennessee just flexed their muscles. Uh, Milton, not the most eye-popping game, but I I can tell, you know, he's going to have more big games in him. Yeah. Um, so, oh, oh, intercepted. Yes. There. Oh, justice. There's justice in the world. Oh, don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, Let's move on. Now, this is probably the biggest game of the day yesterday was that Colorado TCU game. Oh, yeah. Colorado wins 45-42. I will hand it to, to Deion Sanders. I did not think that they would win that game. I was definitely rooting against them because I don't know what it is. I mean, Deion's just very brash, and he just gets like – I don't know. The, I, the stuff with Jackson State was very disingenuous. Like, he's like – all about hyping up stuff for the HBCUs. And, you know, I have friends that have gone to those schools and it's like, you know, I I want them to have success and for him to be there and like, yeah, that was great, but he was just using that as a stepping stone. And that's what, yeah. that's what pisses me off because it's like, dude, don't, don't say this shit. Like you're all about it. And I even just saw, Oh, whoa, what just happened? I just saw a, a video of Eddie Robinson jr. Um, and him doing a the handshake at the end of a game with Dion, and he was all pissed at him. And you know what, man? I'm glad Eddie Robinson was pissed at him. I don't know what for, but it just shows that Dion's all about him, and that doesn't even matter. And he uses whatever he can to to get you know things his way. And you know what? I know he's a good coach. He can obviously recruit well. That's a huge battle. And you know the offense looked fucking phenomenal. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanders had 
His son had freaking over 500 yards passing. It's like uh, in the last 25 years, it was the most by an FBS uh, quarterback in their debut, which that's crazy. And, you know, I will say, though, TCU's defense is atrocious. They've They've given up like over 150 points in the last three games. Yes, it was against Michigan and Georgia and those other two, but still they they're just a bad defense. They were bad last year. They barely did enough to be able to survive all those games last year. And then this year, it just obviously bit them in the butt early. Their offense looks good. They, uh, they didn't do enough to, um, make a difference there, but, um, uh, you know, I think this Colorado team is probably going to be like a five to six win team. And they have a lot of tough games. They have Utah, USC, uh, I believe, uh, Oregon. Yeah, they got Oregon. Yeah, so, like, they have a lot of tough games that they're probably going to lose a bunch. You know, it it was nice for them to get this victory, and it's like especially, you know, the juxtaposition of, like, uh, TCU winning, uh, you know, getting to the national championship game last year and playing, uh, you know, losing to Colorado was a huge uh, plus for Colorado. And now they, you know, it's like, oh, we beat, we're good enough to beat the national runner up. But it's like, I have a feeling that TCU is going to end up being like a, a five loss team this year. And, and I, it's going to be, it looks that way because they lost so much talent. Yeah. Um, I, three returning starters on offense. Like the yeah, and line was new. And I'll say the same thing too. I credit where credit's due. Me um, and a buddy from work, uh, Shout out to Josh for this one. We we haven't really been sold on Colorado. Um, it is, you know, the whole roster turnover and da-da-da and the whole hype of Deion Sanders. It, you know, it's cool, but, I mean, again, not totally sold. But, I, again, credit where credit's due. They played their ass off. You could yeah. tell, like, every play they were – Pedal to the metal at a hundred. Travis wanting Hunter, to win that. Travis, Travis yes, both sides of the ball, an interception, over hundred yards receiving. That that is crazy stats. Like I've, there's very few players that have done what he did on Saturday, and it looks like he's going to do that his whole uh, college career. And that's just that is mind boggling that he was able to do something like that. And I I applaud him. And I. I always knew he was good. I mean, he was the number two overall recruit in 21, I believe. And 20, uh, yeah, it was 2021 or 22. And, you know, he's talented as all get out. We, everyone knew that. I think the surprise more for me was Sanders. I didn't yeah. know if he was as good as, you know, as, as sold because it was, you know, his dad, you know, helping to get him, hyped up, but he did phenomenal. He made a lot of plays. Again, I the caveat is TCU's defense is terrible. So I I don't know if next week is going to be a real test for them that we'll see if they're actually as good as advertised or it won't be till a little bit later. And there are tough games for them coming up. So we'll, we will get a definitive notion of how good they are going forward. Okay, let's let's move on to uh, Michigan East. East Carolina, Michigan wins 30 to three. I was kind of disappointed with East Carolina. I thought they were going to score, you know, a little bit, probably like 14, 15, but, uh, you know, obviously Michigan's very good. Uh, your thoughts and then we'll move on. Yeah. Just again, 
better talent on the Michigan side. I thought the run game would have been more effective for Michigan. Uh, Blake Corum, um, who is one of my Heisman favorites, it, not a bad game. Just I expect he, he, I don't think he had over 100 yards. He did have a touchdown. Um, but overall, the offense, I, I was kind of expecting more from Michigan. But I mean, other than that, it's the first game of the year. It's for that one, it's kind of hard to get as upset about. Yeah. Okay, uh, I just wanted to mention this real quick. Oregon scored 81 against Portland. Yeah, which is, that's like when you play NCAA football in rookie mode. Yeah, that that's definitely some Spurrier shit from the 90s, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, Ohio State 23, Indiana 3. This I mean, was ugly. Yeah, that was an ugly game. McCord, I you know, at times struggled and – you know, uh, it just – it seems like it's going to be a work in progress there. They have a lot of talent. You know, wide receiver room is the best in college, and uh, their defense is strong with Knowles coming back as defensive coordinator. So you'll see Ohio State uh, continue to do well regardless of what happens with the quarterback. I think they'll figure things out. Like I always say, Big Ten has one of the weakest – uh, conference opponents in, uh, you know, especially, you know, like Rutgers, uh, you know, Purdue is terrible. Uh, Northwestern, God, I saw some of their offense today. It was God awful. Yeah, they were playing Rutgers. Exactly. So all those, all those teams, they'll get easy wins against whoever they play because they played plenty of easy uh, Big Ten teams. And then they'll have their two games they're going to have to get up for, and that's Penn State and Michigan. And that's all they have to worry about because they don't have a, like a, a great non-conference schedule. So uh, let's move on to uh, Washington, Boise State. Our boy, Michael Penix Jr., you know, this kid, man, there's something about this kid. He's just lighting it up. They win 56 to 19. I want to hear your opinion on this, Ian. Yeah, it was funny because going throughout the game, I saw this through a lot of teams, and Washington was no exception. The offense really kind of struggled in the first part of it. Um, I know they were down in the first quarter. Um, but once the second quarter started and they, you know, got the ball moving um washington was able to just run away with it the defense although they limited boise state to 19 points i I know they gave up over 400 yards which i don't know how much of that was for garbage time but it still wasn't you know especially the first half wasn't the best look but yeah Penix went off i know he had five touchdowns and i believe it was over 400 yards yeah um and he threw it to a myriad of uh wide receivers i remember um O'Dunsey, I believe it was his name, and um, Polk had uh, both had 100 yards and a touchdown, and McMillan had two touchdowns, um, which shows you how you know dynamite this uh, offense could be. Because uh, kind of came out of, like I said, they didn't start well in the first yeah. you know quarter, and then in the second quarter they just turned it on. I think they got 20 points going into yeah, halftime. 28, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this kid, honestly, it's probably. The most underrated I've heard of a potential Heisman candidate uh, coming into a season because I, I know he's a West Coast kid because he's on, uh, he's at Washington, but it's like the talent is there. Like we, you know, we noticed it when he was at Indiana. You know, we knew how how good he was there, and um, you know, it's 
it's being more evident because last year they were they were really good and um you know on the verge of potentially uh getting to the pac 12 championship game and i i honestly feel he's gonna be probably it's gonna go caleb williams drake may and then Penix jr as far as the draft coming up uh in 2024 but no just phenomenal player um, you know, to be a solid opponent like uh, Boise State was definitely uh, a huge push towards that uh, Heisman candidacy and towards, uh, you know, a big year for them at Washington. A ton of talent in the wide receiver room and uh, elsewhere as well. So let's move on. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, Mike, just getting better, was at this game. He literally left Salt Lake uh, like Friday morning and then flew to Charlotte and went to the game. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, dude, two huge games in like two days. That's crazy. Um, so, but uh, a crazy game because it was like North Carolina defensively just annihilated Spencer Rattler. I mean, they had. Um, I thought I wrote it down, but I guess I didn't. Uh, they had so many uh, tackles for losses and sacks. It was like they just were through the line like every time they were coming through. And it was it was remarkable that South Carolina continued to try to rush the ball and they had like no success at it at all. And I just – I don't know what South Carolina's identity is on offense because there's not really one. And then on defense, they're so porous, you know – Drake may struggled a little bit, so it wasn't like his best performance, but it was still good enough to where they won comfortably. And it almost never was in doubt past uh, like the midpoint of the third quarter, you know, UNC controlled that game. And uh, you know, besides some special teams play by South Carolina, there was really nothing uh, special about that South Carolina team. And it's just, I don't know. I, I didn't believe in that team, even though they beat Tennessee and Clemson last year, you know, because I saw how bad they lost to Florida. And I just don't believe in them now. I'm not a, you know, I don't know. I just don't believe in Beamer. I don't think he's that great of a coach. You know, yes, you can be good at special teams, but like if you're terrible at everything else, what the hell is the point? Like you're not going to be good. And they were, yeah, I don't know. But what's your opinion, Ian? Ian. Oh, we seem to have lost him. Hold on. Oh, there we are. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I think the difference was, although it wasn't fantastic, North Carolina was able to have a positive running game to at least keep South Carolina honest on the rush. So it gave Drake May more freedom to running. Rattler was running for his life that whole game. And I'll give credit to Rattler. He actually, I think he went 30 for 39 or something like that. He actually didn't have a bad game. He but just a lot of those like, were short passes and like yeah, like but very, he had to do short game. passes cuz he had maybe like one second, bam. So, I'll give credit. At least they adjusted to like okay, he's got like one second before he gets clobbered. Um but yeah, South Carolina they really have to work on that offensive line cuz it was just getting shredded. There was absolutely no run game whatsoever which again was kind of surprising that they still went to it um this isn't like florida where it was like this is the backbone 
of it we kind of knew going in that uh, while Joyner is a very um good running back oh you idiots oh my god oh that was close why did they not get that (laughs) it was right there man (laughs) um oh god was oh Joyner although he's not like he is a very uh solid running back it's not like, you know, you're expecting that, you know, Seth Carolina rush for like 200, 300 yards. It's yeah. going to live and die through Rattler. And if you do not give Rattler time or breathing room, it's going to be a long day like it was um, in this game. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Last couple of games. Uh, Penn State, West Virginia. Penn State, 38-15. Um, I didn't see Alar's stats at the end. Uh, what 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 did you see out of this game? I I liked Penn State throughout this game. They're obviously much better than West Virginia. But what did you see out of Alar that you uh, you you took from this game? Uh, I thought Alar was very efficient. He made very smart passion plays, and I'll give credit to that for the coaching. They did not do a lot of hero ball um, yeah. in this. They did it, you know, very like okay, we're gonna give them high percentage passing plays, maybe short medium routes, maybe a play action deep here or there um but it wasn't uh wasn't you know you know very taxing for him which i think is good that's how you ease a uh, quarterback into this um he had i know he had over 300 yards and three touchdowns which is a very good start um west virginia wasn't you know as strong as they have been in years past so i kind of expected that they did try to make it a game towards the end but you know, in the end, uh, Penn State had the better um, had a better team. And once again, um, what helped in the passing game was that the rushing attack. I think they had they went back and forth between Singleton and Allen, and that was able to get over like over 100 yards rushing. So they were able to keep West Virginia honest to keep Alar more freedom and breathing room for those uh, passing plays. And the offensive line did an impressive job to at least give him that time. Yeah. Okay. Last one, real quick. Oregon State beat San Jose State earlier today, forty-two seventeen. The only reason I want to mention it, obviously, because Oregon State is a you know going to challenge for the Pac-12, uh, is uh, DJ Younglaway. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. We've been in, yeah, Ugalele. I don't know. We've, we've Ugalele throughout the last four years, and we still struggle. But uh, he actually had a really good game. He had uh, five TDs. So um, maybe, maybe if that team can, you know, uh, use his talents as best they can and get the most out of him, maybe they're a ten-win team, possibly eleven-win team. I mean, they won nine nine regular season games and they won the bowl game against Florida. So maybe there's a chance that they can contend. Uh, you know, they beat, uh, um, what is it? They, they barely lost to USC and uh, some other games were really close as well. So maybe Oregon state with a better quarterback can uh, win some of those close games. Uh, the other two games, LSU FSU is still going on right now. It's seven, seven Clemson. Does anybody want to win this game? That's what I'm going to say. It's like last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Clemson Duke is tomorrow night. So both of those two we'll talk about on Wednesday. Okay. The show from here on out, it's obviously kind of combobulated the last two weeks because of week zero. And then also uh, this being a different week because there was the Thursday game with Florida and I was on the road. So going forward every Wednesday, every Sunday and Wednesday at 
8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We will do the show live. It'll be on every other format afterwards, uh, YouTube and all the podcast formats as well. So if you can't catch it live, you can catch it on those other ones. Uh, Our articles have been doing very well, and I appreciate all the views from everybody. And we will continue to do more. Um, There will likely be something about the Tennessee game and potentially if USF can win a game here or not. And Jaden Daniels. Oh, oh, wow. That was a good run. Um, uh, so look for us on all the formats that we have. HaterRadio.com is the website at Hater underscore radio for Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, for YouTube, it's at Hater Radio, just one word. And um, uh, HaterRadio1 at gmail.com for email. So that is the show. I'm Chris McLean. And Ian Gibson, what are your socials real quick before we go? Uh, GGatorG2 at Twitter and GGatorG for Instagram and YouTube. That's it. So enjoy the game tonight and we'll talk to you later. All right. Later.